This is Cast Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cast Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cast Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Lydia Cruz. And I'm Justin Stiefel. And I'm Maura Dooley. It's good to be back, you guys. I missed you uh, while we were gone. I took just a little a little vacation there in, in jolly old England. It was, it was a good time. <laughs> Went there to see the Seahawks. But back stateside, got a little bit of a cold to show for it, but totally worth it. <laughs> what was the best thing you ate and drank? Ate and drank... Um, Edinburgh. I took a little uh, train up from London to, to Edinburgh. It's about four hours, and I fell in love with Scotland. It was amazing. They have a lot of smaller distilleries. Of course, scotch being a huge part of, uh, scotch and whiskey being a huge part of their culture, but gin. I was very surprised that gin distilleries and uh, gin production is also really big in Scotland, and so I was able to find um, some smaller local gin distilleries and and uh and talk with uh some of the people who made this great gin i tried some rhubarb gin nice. which um hopefully my mom's not listening i got her a little uh, <laughs> a little bit for christmas but yeah they tried some really interesting some some flavor profiles that i would have not thought and then food wise i was not brave enough to go for anything blood sausage no or... blood sausage no haggis was not brave enough for that but I did have a great dinner one night at this place called the Olive Branch, which I would walk by every day on the way to my apartment, and they every single day would change the uh, would have a different salad, a different uh, soup, risotto, main dish, and a cheesecake. So it was fun to walk by every single day and see the chef just come up with these new. And so finally, I went in one day and I pretty much got one of everything. Nice. I, I I'm felt, proud of you. I felt a little shame, you know, like this guy was like, uh, just for one, they're just, just, just you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, just for me. I'll also have a carafe of wine while we're at it because why not? Mm-hmm. Sounds so, like you did it right mm-hmm. to me. Thank you, thanks, Maura. Yeah, it was, it was pretty incredible. And were they surprised to see you there, an American traveling in that part? I think more so just the fact that I was by myself. Some people were curious mm. about that, but. Uh, there was a ton of Seattleites, a ton of Seahawks fans there from the moment I got there, touched down in, in Heathrow and uh, on the train every step of the way in Manchester and Liverpool. I saw, saw you know, Seahawks fans everywhere. So 12s were pretty well awesome. represented. It was cool to see. Well, and, and so you were traveling halfway across the globe eating and drinking. And last night we enjoyed ourselves at the James Beard dinner yes. here in Seattle, and uh, it's, we were, it's great to have dinner with you and your guests and Mara and her guests, and got to see some of the top chefs in the country and in the region and enjoy great wine, great food, great cocktails, and this is just the beginning, right? The next two and a half months is when we Americans eat and drink all the way through New Year's, yes. so we're just warming up. Celebrate the holidays this way, absolutely, yeah. It was a wonderful warm-up. Right. Yes, <laughs> just stretching our legs. In the meantime, what is going on in the headlines this week? Well, you were gone last week, and I was worried because we ran across this news article, and I Mm. thought maybe you got detoured to Florida uh, because uh, a woman was arrested (laughs) in total wine for recreating the dirty dancing scene. (laughs) And you immediately Uh, thought of me? (laughs) I thought, 
did Lydia make it all the way across the pond, or did she get diverted to Florida? Uh, this was reported in the Treasure Coast newspapers. Police officers were called to Total Wine and More in Martin County, Florida, following reports that two people who were believed to be intoxicated were causing a disturbance. The manager of the store subsequently reported the two people were trying to reenact the scene from Dirty Dancing where Patrick Swayze lifts up the female lead and begins to fly her up and down the aisles. <laughs> so they were asked to leave the store. They tried to re-enter the premises and according to the sheriff, uh, the woman was later arrested in her car and charged with disorderly intoxication. This is not something you would catch me doing and just beware of people trying to fly down the aisles of Total Wine and More. I, I can't see this as being the first time that this has ever happened. Maybe it's the first time this has happened in this location, in a, in a Total Wine and More, but I, this can't be the only time when somebody has tried to maybe, you know, drunkenly recreate a scene from a movie that they don't have the physical capabilities to, to do, uh, and this one in particular. Yes. There was a great NFL commercial this year, if you guys remember, right? It was uh, Eli Manning and Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. did this. That that was yes. probably my favorite iteration. <laughs> but yeah, just that's a well, that's a that's a good thing. Don't drink and and try and recreate dirty. <laughs> and whenever you hear something crazy and the word Florida, yeah, uh, it doesn't surprise me as much either. So. Uh, next up in the news, the state of Michigan is voting to ban cannabis-infused drinks. This is becoming more and more of an issue across the states as more states legalize recreational cannabis and entrepreneurs and food scientists try to uh, replicate the effects of alcohol, like beer, wine, or spirits, by infusing the uh, toxic agents, not toxic, but, you know, the mind-altering agents of marijuana into the drinks. So, in anticipation of uh, Michigan bordering Canada, Canada moved to full recreational legalization of cannabis just this week on October 17th. That's huge news for the whole country of Canada. Because of the proximity to the Canadian border in Michigan, Michigan has voted to outlaw cannabis-infused drinks and continue to track this. More and more growth is happening. Constellation Brands put another four billion dollars into uh, canopy growth which is the largest cannabis producer and retailer in canada and uh, the, the cannabis train keeps on rolling uh, if you go to michigan don't expect to drink it interesting that they did this as sort of a preemptive move right that recreational yeah. marijuana or cannabis is not even legal yet in michigan but suspecting that it might be soon uh voters hopped on this ahead of that so yeah like yes. you said just a, yeah. interesting to watch the cultural development and the response on the legal side and of course cannabis infused drinks some people in the industry on the alcohol side fear is going to eat into consumer purchasing and consumption habits that would otherwise go to beer or wine or spirits so there's a competitive thing going on here too fascinating Finally, this is and, this isn't so much a news article, right? That but you've got people need to check this out online. Yeah, we found this uh, ten mesmerizing images of dried whiskey droplets. This is from the drinksbusiness.com. We're going to post this story and link to it, and it's just very cool what people are doing, uh, grabbing images of small droplets of dried whiskey, including very old 
historic type vintages and they are putting them under microscopes and letting the world see what beauty is created at that level and we just thought it's visually stunning and kind of like people like to watch kittens videos on line <laughs> it makes them feel good i like to sit and look at microscopic pictures of whiskey it makes me feel good so we thought we'd share yeah, it yeah because there's a little something for everything if you're an art lover like you said it's it's visually captivating and if you are into science and obviously, if you're listening, you're probably into beer, wine, and spirits. You get to know on a molecular level a little bit of what's going in uh, to, to the whiskey you're enjoying. So it is pretty cool. Yeah, and some of these are so beautiful that if they were blown up to the right pr- proportion and size, they'd make amazing pieces of art to hang in mm. your living room or, or dining room. They're, they're that beautiful. So enjoy. Giving, giving people ideas. I love it. <laughs> love it. Coming up on Cast Club Radio, cybersecurity. It's a constant issue that we are talking about. We see it in the headlines. Well, the beer, wine, and spirits industry is not exempt. We'll explain. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. We're all fans of technology here. We all use it as a constant part of our daily lives. And cybersecurity, it's uh, something that we still grapple with on a daily basis. But I didn't know that it had such an effect on the beer, wine, and spirits industry as well. Justin, can you take us through this a little bit? Yeah, so a number of articles have come out recently about cybersecurity. You see it every day. Um, just most recently, Facebook was hacked, and it was it, it had an impact on 14 million users wow. uh, who were Facebook users. Hacked uh, again? So if we've, Is it, were they hacked? Cause this last week, yeah, they've, two weeks ago. Because yeah. they've dealt with that in the past over uh, huge security breaches. But, yeah, it's a, it, most people can relate to this, to this. Yeah, so if we think about a winery, or your brewery or a distillery. Many of us have been to a winery, brewery, or distillery. And you think about all aspects of that business. So you walk in the front door as a customer, you sample, maybe get a flight of wine. You say, I wanna sign up for your wine club. Mm. So you give them your credit card and they enter it in their computer and every quarter you're gonna get a shipment of wine. Well, hackers like to go in and and hack all of these uh, credit card transaction type of services. So you see that at the business level. And that's no different than if Target gets hacked or someone steals, you know, your your regular credit card. So that's the typical thing that every business is going to run into. Now, let's assume you go on the tour of the winery or the distillery or the brewery. We talked last week about the uh, Prosecco explosion in Italy where they lost thousands of liters of Prosecco. That wasn't the result of a cyber attack. It was uh, instrument failure inside the building and uh, yeast being uh, pitched too much and, and pumps too active. So that, that's what caused that overflow of Prosecco. But now, imagine you're in a big production facility, Coors in Colorado, or uh one of Diageo's scotch makers overseas, a big one, or massive vodka distillery. All of the distilleries are making high flame, explosive, hazardous material. Anything coming off the still is going to be at 40, 50, 60 proof. If it's vodka, it's coming off the still at 190 proof. That catches fire. 
and that sits in big tanks and it uh, is running through all these processes. Many of the big operators that you can envision have automated flow controls and automated process controls. So every valve is controlled by a solenoid and a signal that will open and close the valve remotely. You just hit a button on the computer screen. Pumps, you turn the pumps on and off with the press of a button from a computer screen back in the control room. So imagine you've got these huge plants with lots of liquid flowing through them and you're a hacker and you can tap in to the plant's main process control and you can begin to open valves, you can begin to turn on pumps, turn off pumps, you can begin to wreak havoc on the internal controls with liquid that is flammable or explosive. And uh, Jim Beam is talking about that specifically. It's at one of the recent cyber attack seminars where they have these big facilities, they have class one and division two explosive environments, and somebody hacking in the machine could cause significant damage. And imagine a hose is not hooked up to a valve and somebody hacks in and opens that valve. You could have thousands of gallons of, of whiskey flow all over the floor because there's nothing to stop that because the valve is open remotely. Um, this is a real significant problem. And uh, distilleries like us, we're small compared to these big guys. We don't have these automated process controls. This, this type of cyber attack is not going to hurt us, but it is going to impact big facilities, big employers, especially when you've got centralized control that is looking at multiple locations, multiple buildings across the campus or across town or across states, this is a real issue, real issue. And uh, it's something that more and more companies are having to get expertise in-house full-time to protect the investment. Anytime a new technology is developed, that's usually where one of my thought processes goes. Because on the one hand, you're streamlining and you're making this process so much easier in a sense, but you also, there needs to be sort of a response on, on that side of things where you have to either hire extra people or take extra measures so that these things aren't uh, hacked or taken advantage of. So it's fascinating that we've come to this point in our society where that you wouldn't think as a distillery that you're having to employ, employ all of this type of security. But you mentioned that you guys aren't affected by uh buy it in these automated controls type of way, but we read one article that talks about uh, a brewery that was a victim of a cyber attack, cyber ransom, ransomware, as I was uh, a term that I was not familiar with, but this is one where people who just have a uh, their sales information, they can have that stolen, which was concerning to me. Oh yeah, so uh, this is Aaron Brewery that you're talking about, yeah. and they're in uh, Scotland, and it's pretty small ransom amounts that these folks are asking for. It was less than 10,000 pounds or probably about 13,000 13, US dollars. Looks like they were asking uh, for it in Bitcoin, though. Which In Bitcoin yeah. and in small amounts. So, you know, if you go and attack a company like Microsoft and you ask for, I want a half a billion dollars, they're not going to do that. And they're going to get the FBI on you. So these hackers say, well, look, if we go after 50 small companies and we ask for $10,000 and we lock up their stuff, they're more likely to fork over the 10 grand because that's cheaper than the alternative. What is the alternative for them? And then you ask for it in Bitcoin and it's uh, not traceable because Bitcoin is not traceable. So 
Yeah. And uh, in, in this particular example, right, they used the company's own job posting against them. Basically, yeah. the hackers took that job posting, posted it to international sites so that plenty of people were sending in emails. Then they put yep. their cyber, their uh, malware into one of those email attachments, got them to download it. It stole the information from their system. And then they are using it to sort of extort this money from them, which is that's crazy. Yeah. And in that case, they lost three months of sales data. Imagine if you lost three months of production data. Mm-hmm. And when you're a brewery or a winery or a distillery, you've small. got to yeah, small have company. your records. You know, if you say this is bourbon, you've got to demonstrate that it was majority corn that went into that. Otherwise, you can't label it as bourbon. If you want to call your wine the Columbia Valley Cabernet, you've got to demonstrate that you use those grapes from that region. If you can't demonstrate that, you have to label it as red table wine, and it's worth about 10% of the value in the market. So losing the records is significant. Getting access to your HR department and all the personnel files where you may have uh, you know, a lot of proprietary information, personal information that shouldn't be shared to the public about your employees, the list goes on and on and on. Well, it's certainly not something I would have uh, ever thought about had we not have Cast Club Radio and we get to talk about these topics, but we'll be keeping an eye on that since, of course, it does sort of affect us as both consumers and you, sir, as a as an owner of uh, a distillery as well. So we'll keep following along with that. Yeah, and, you know, hopefully it opens people's eyes about more and more that we have to do as business owners and operators. And when they're sitting back enjoying their favorite adult beverage, it's one more thing they can offer up a little bit of appreciation. Absolutely. Well, unfortunately, cyber attacks, they can be scary. But if you enjoy being scared on a smaller, more fun scale, a scale that allows you to also have great wine, beer, whiskey, and food from local restaurants, we're going to talk to Lisa Johnson. She's Senior Development Director of the Zoo Society. She's going to tell us about a great event happening at the Point Defiant Zoo and Aquarium that you can be a part of. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Right now, we are joined by Lisa Johnson, Senior Development Director uh, for the Zoo Society, here to talk about an amazing event. Uh, Lisa, first of all, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. It's a sunny day. We, yeah, <laughs> thank you. We appreciate that, Seattle. Uh, you guys have, for the first time, a great Halloween-themed event coming up that is also for a great cause. So, A, can you tell us just a, the basics of this event? Sure. Um, so this is a, a first-time event for us uh, with a Halloween theme. So it's called Zoo Booze and Bites, um, and it's really a tasting event featuring local distilleries. Um, we're going to have a wine bar. We'll have some breweries, and we have some great restaurants that are partnering with us uh, for the bite component. Uh, there'll be costume contests. We'll have a raffle for an amazing um, seven-day cruise on Holland America. Um, a Caribbean cruise from Holland America um, that guests can um, try to win. And we'll have some other fun games and a haunted uh, aquarium. Uh, so it should be a lot of fun. This is really neat. Combines a lot of our favorite things. Not only uh, is it a party, but it's also for a good cause, right? 
Correct. So all the proceeds from this particular event support the animal care here at Point Defiant Zoo and Aquarium, as well as um, the education program. So we have a really strong education programming that provides scholarships for kids to come to the zoo who wouldn't normally be able to come. We have citizen science um, opportunities out in the community so that um, the community members can come out and learn about the different ways that they can protect their own environments, as well as kind of the world like climate change and that aspect of things. So it, it's supports both of those opportunities here at the zoo. How did this event sort of come to fruition? What was the thought process behind it? Well, we um, actually polled a bunch of different zoos and aquariums around the nation and looked at um, what event models produced the highest return for the least amount of expense um, was the initial thing, Um, but also the fun factor. Um, (laughs) What is it that, you know, will will bring out people who may not normally come to the zoo? Usually the demographics um, at kind of tasting events may or may not have families yet, or or they're just into the family, haven't quite made it to the zoo. And it just provides an opportunity for the general community to come experience the zoo in a different way. And then hopefully they'll come back and see the zoo in daylight and when all the animals are out and that aspect of things so that, you know, we can kind of build that base um, of knowledge around what the zoo is here for. I have a lot of great memories from my childhood, actually. My uh, my grandparents lived in, in Southern California, so going to the, like, the wild animal park and things on holidays or, like you said, experiencing the park in a different environment or in a different light. Have you guys had success in the past doing those types of events at Point Defiance Zoo and Aquarium? We have. You know, the Zoo Society is the nonprofit arm of the zoo, so we do fundraising events specifically tailored for causes like education and animal care and conservation. Um, and we've had great success. We've used to do an event called Zubilee uh, for a number mm-hmm. of years. It had a couple different formats, and um, people enjoy coming out to new things and in new new venues. And the zoo itself is an amazing venue. It has great views. It has varying terrain, um, different locations, and of course, we have the animals. Um, so it provides a, a unique opportunity that a lot of the different events around the community don't really have that aspect of things. Are there any special exhibits going on that people can see there right now? Um, currently, well, during the day, um, we just opened the new Pacific Seas Aquarium. So that is our $55 million aquarium that opened wow. in the middle, early September. Um, and it features um, a variety of different exhibits, um, both tropical, uh, northwest, kind of cold water. We have hammerheads and sea turtles and eagle rays, spider crabs, a lot of different variety of um education opportunities around our local waterways and what um, guests can do to help in their own community and then also learning a little bit more about what's out there in the larger ocean. And other than that, we have a lot of different other animals and features around um, all the different uh, Pacific Rim areas within the within the world. So we're a Pacific Rim zoo, so we focus on Southeast Asia, uh, the Northwest, or Northwest, the northern hemisphere side of things and then the southern hemisphere which is why we don't have um like african animals um australia uh so we don't really have though that side of the world so we focus specifically on the pacific rim so for people listening right now who hear about this and uh the great cause that it's for and really want to be a part of it what can they expect if they uh, attend this event Well, if they come in costume, um, it's going to be definitely um, 
a fun way that they can really kind of maneuver around the zoo. So we'll actually be covering a couple different areas of the zoo with this event. We'll be going into the elephant area, um, down through our Asia exhibit. Um, so there'll be a couple animals out. Um, it'll be dark, so a lot of them are in their bedrooms. But um, And then we'll have um, our lower uh, North Pacific Aquarium set up as a haunted aquarium. Mm-hmm. And, but there's still um, species in there as well um, that the guests will be able to, as they're kind of strolling through that half of the zoo. But really, I think the opportunity for them to engage with community partners, um, both on the brewery side, the distillery side, um, and hopefully um, find their favorites or multiple favorites, <laughs> and then they'll go back and visit those establishments um, on another night um, so that they can say that they've been, that we experienced you here, and then we want to be able to have them go into those establishments out in the community. What are some of those local partners that you're working with? We, we know about local restaurants, but specifically, we talk a lot about, obviously, wine, beer, and spirits on this show. What are some of the, the local partners you're working with? So we're super excited to be able to partner again with Heritage Distilling Company. Um, they've actually been a partner with us for a number of years at our event with Zubali, and we're just honored to have them be part of that. Um, we'll have Chambers Bay Distillery with us, Westland Distillery, uh, Noble Oak uh, Bourbon, Heaven Hill Brands. Uh, on the brewery side, we'll have Seven Seas. Elysian is going to be joining us, Pelican Brewing Ghost Fish, Rogue. And we'll have some Snow Leopard Vodka I believe, and Diamond Knot Brewing Company are going to be joining us on the kind of beverage side of things. And then we also have sponsorship product from Pepsi. They're our leading kind of non-alcoholic aspect with their bubbly and the Naked brands and, um, of course, Pepsi product. So for listeners who want details on the event, can you share those? Yeah, so you can, tickets can be purchased um, through Eventbrite. Um, you can go to the Eventbrite webpage and type in Zoo Booze and Bites. Uh, you can also visit the zoosociety.org, um, and we have it right on our homepage, and then it'll direct you to purchase tickets through Eventbrite. Uh, it's a great, fun event, and we look forward to partnering with everybody with us next week. And the date. Oh, it's uh, Thursday, October 25th from 6 to 9. So doors open at 6 o'clock at the front of the zoo, and then guests will go down into our Asia area of the zoo for the event itself. Lisa, are you yourself going to be wearing a costume for this? I'm not quite oh, sure. Okay. You'll have to come to Still, see. That's a good teaser. I like that. <laughs> we also usually like to ask our guests if if you were throwing a cocktail party and we were invited, what are we drinking? My beverage of choice. I am a straight up on the rocks uh, bourbon drinker. Nice. Um, I actually, uh, uh, I really like... And Justin will be like this. I am a Elk Rider fan. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I do like BSB, but it's a little on the sweet side. So I actually tend to kind of gravitate towards the Elk Rider as one of my favorites. Perfect. So, um, so it's simple, simple, clean, over ice. Love it. Well, awesome. Excellent. Lisa, well, we're going to come to parties that you host, that's for sure. <laughs> Lisa Johnson, uh, Senior Development Director of the Zoo Society, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join us and, and tell us about this great event. We'll make sure people check it out. Great. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time and for your partnership um, and being able to take um, a moment to speak with me. We'll make sure you go check out Booze and Bites at the Point Defiant Zoo and Aquarium on October 25th. Coming up next, we'll keep the Halloween theme going with a Halloween cocktail, but we'll also catch up with Distiller Dane. He has an all-Vancouver-themed top five this week. That's next on Cast Club Radio.
Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Right now, we're joined by one of our favorites, Distiller Dane. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How's everyone doing over there? Great. Absolutely great. Getting into the Halloween spirit here. Is maybe any Halloween-related things made your top five this week? No Halloween okay. this week, but on the next list for sure. Be looking out here, uh, here pretty soon. Well, speaking of that top five, let's get right into it. All right. I just got back from visiting Vancouver last weekend. I hadn't been there in about four years. A lot has changed, and I got a lot done in a short amount of time. So I'm going to do my top five over Vancouver, B.C. in my trip there. Love it. All right. Number one on my list is the Chinatown area. They have a huge Chinatown area over in Vancouver. Um, it's an awesome area. There's tons of food and cocktail bars. And there was one on my list that I've been following on Instagram for a while that I got to finally check out, and it's called Juniper. I know we got some gin lovers on here, yeah. too, if you love this place. Uh, but it's a bar and restaurant that focuses on gin cocktails, and they serve them up in the creative Spanish style with all their gin and tonics. So they have about 10 different ones you can choose from, and they have a very seasonal curated food menu as well. Wow, that sounds perfect for uh, for myself. One of those aforementioned gin lovers. So that's Juniper in the Chinatown district of Vancouver, B.C. All right, number two. Uh, number two is Stanley Park, which is actually a huge park, and I think it's even bigger than Central Park over on the East Coast, but it's a 1,000 acres. It's a public park that actually borders the downtown area, all natural forest area connected to the city, and it's a big loop around the whole entire area of it, which is a one-way car, bike, and walking path. There was a couple rollerbladers too, but you can get on there, rent a bike, and it's mostly surrounded by water, about 80% of it. Um, it's a cool area just to go around panoramic views of the cities of both downtown and North Vancouver as well. Stanley Park, any relation to Lord Stanley and the NHL Cup? I am not sure. <laughs> we'll have but to I, well, I could see why there'd be a presence there. Since it's Canadian, I would assume so. We should find out. Number three. Number three is the craft beer market. So this is located in the trendy Olympic Village area of Vancouver, and it's actually a humongous tap house with over 100 tops around a huge, expansive bar. Um, they serve up some really good food and different food than you'd find traditionally in your kind of lot of taps, tap house. And they curate their beer list very well. So a majority of their list was all a really good selection of local or craft beer um, that was all pretty exceptional. And they have really different kind of food items. Like I had a deconstructed cheeseburger sushi appetizer. They're very creative, great beer. So definitely visit this place if you're in town. I can't even imagine yeah. what that appetizer would look like. <laughs> I couldn't imagine it, either, but it, it turned out all right. Is it called the Olympic Village because that's what they built for the Winter Olympics a few years ago? I was believe it is around in an area right near there because there's a whole bunch of walking paths and things right outside of it that you can stroll around as well. Got it. All right. Number four. Uh, number four is the Capilano Suspension Bridge, and it's a little bit outside. It's only about 10 to 15 minutes to get there um, in North Vancouver, but it has a large suspension bridge that crosses over a ravine, over a river. Have you guys seen pictures of this or been to it? Yes, I've been over it. All right, I am a little scared of heights when I'm not <laughs> in control of them, so I thought I was gonna be able to handle this because it's just a bridge, but once you get on it, it's shaking around like crazy. Had a little freak out moment, but I made it through it, nice. got it through there. for you, <laughs> face those fears. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it, right. it's worth it. Vancouver, Vancouver is, we're spoiled here in the Pacific Northwest, and it, it definitely has some, uh, not only physical landmark sites, but some pretty architecture as well. So, all right, last on the list. There's another food establishment, and it's called Japa Dog. Have you guys heard of it? No. Uh-uh. 
All right, so every city has kind of like their favorite hot dog stand, whether it's an actual location or the stand on the side of the street, and everyone has their own kind of style of hot dog. We got the cream cheese on the dog in Seattle. This is their street food hot dog mixed with Japanese flair that has got there many years ago, and they have multiple locations, gained a lot of popularity. But my favorite item I had was a shrimp tempura teriyaki rice Jaffa dog, and it came with a side of seaweed shake and french fries that they literally shake in a bag in front of you. Wow, yeah. Crazy. <laughs> so each hot dog kind of has its own Japanese variation or flair on it. It's very interesting, and it's definitely a must-have. And they even have one location open late at night, so if you're strolling through after the bars or whatnot, you can get your fix in. <laughs> I love it. Well, you've given us a, right. a great excuse, many excuses to visit Vancouver here. Yeah, Dane, given your prowess in traveling and describing your visit, I think you should dress up as Rick Steves this Halloween. <laughs> I'll start working on that costume. I think I can pull it off. All right. Well, thank that you, is sir. Distiller Dane, the top five of the week. Back to work. All right. Thanks, guys. Well, I'll look forward to next week, uh, Distiller Dane's Halloween-themed, possibly, uh, top five. But in the meantime, we've also got a pretty cool Halloween-themed drink, a cocktail recipe for you as well. That's right. This is uh, in anticipation of Halloween around the corner, and we call this fat juice, and it's a little more complicated to make, so we'll kind of walk through it here. This requires our sweet ghost pepper vodka, which is an amazing product. There's no sweetness, no flavor, just a little bit of heat, so you can add it to any cocktail to elevate the heat element of your cocktail. You want some pineapple juice, some roses, lime syrup, and some liquid activated charcoal. You're going to have to hunt around to find this. So take two ounces of the sweet ghost pepper vodka, two ounces of pineapple juice, three quarters of an ounce of the roses, lime syrup, and half an ounce of the liquid activated charcoal. You're going to pour the ghost pepper vodka, pineapple juice, and lime syrup over ice, stir it together, slowly pour the activated charcoal liquid over the top and you're going to watch the drink transform from yellow to black as that liquid activated charcoal falls to the drink wow. and it's safe to drink uh, safe to consume and uh, it makes a great show for your friends at halloween yeah absolutely this could be a real entertainment factor if you're hosting a <laughs> halloween party that's right well, perfect. Uh, this recipe, as always, you can find it online at heritagedistilling.com if you want to check out any past recipes. Also available there where you can check out past episodes of the podcast as well. That's right. You can find us on 97.3 Cairo FM and now on ESPN AM 710 in the Seattle market and also available for download as a podcast. You can find this on social media, including at Instagram and Facebook. And again, please rate us on iTunes. As always, thanks for joining us for Cast Club Radio, and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling.